Now, back in the day, back in the 1980s, everyone was uh, reading Stephen King when I was at school, and I certainly did as well. And I've, although I, I, in some ways I don't think he's a great writer, and I've certainly read some bad Stephen King novels which have been turgid and the actual individual sentences aren't always great, but in a lot of ways he is a great writer and in two very, very important ones. One, he's capable of creating excellent characters, characters that you fall for. Well, Stand By Me is the obvious reference point, Shawshank Redemption, um, but characters that you really deeply fall for. And he does that very, very well. And the other is he's a very good storyteller. And he's a very evocative storyteller. He manages to ground in a lot of themes um, that are outside of the horror sphere, or at least a horror relating to personal relationships, family relationships, treatment by peers. You could, in fact, take a lot of the horror out of a lot of his stuff and, and just leave it with these angsty stories. Um, like I said, I mean, I read something like, I think The Dark Half was the worst one. It was a really turgid struggle to get through it. The best Stephen King novel I read was it, and that was a landmark. And I think it was a novel that did everything that he can do the best. Uh, it was an amazing story, it, a Lord of the Rings length story of 1,100 pages. Um, and it focused on everything that he can do. It created a group of 13-year-olds, misfits, abused by peers, and in <coughs> often very, very horrible home scenarios, coming together and finding solace with each other. Um, and along the way, with this very stand-by-me sort of coming-of-age story, there was also a horror going on in town. We all know Pennywise the Clown, who lives in the drains and pulls children in. And uh, it was a book I read twice. Um, I really did enjoy it. It wasn't, um, even though it was very, very long, it was propulsive and it was bookended by, well, the first stories happening uh, when they were 13 and then coming back 27 years later as adults, often with many of the same problems they had as adolescents with regards to bad relationship choices they've made when they were older and not really escaping their past. And all the while is this figure of it, the monster at the heart of the whole story, which is a manifestation of fear. Excuse me. A terrible voice problems on the show today. And it itself wasn't just a clown, it was a multitude of different things uh, in a town that had experienced continual horror throughout the centuries. It was a bad town. It itself was more of, was pretty much the town in a, in a sort of uh, metaphorical way, it was the town. And uh, children go missing much more than anywhere else in America. No one does anything or cares or speaks about it. And basically, in the story, the kids come to one of the uh, the lead kid. His brother gets taken down memorably in a shocking start. He, get, he gets pulled into the well and has his arm ripped off, and he's never seen again. And and the story proper starts about a year later when this kid's little brother has been missing for a year. And these band of kids fall together due to uh, bad home situations, bullying, and so on. And they come to realise that they've all had these interactions with these, these, these weird supernatural interactions, often with a clown, 
uh, and often in other ways that have been shocking for them and, and they've basically told no one. And often adults can't even see it. There's a memorable sequence where a bathroom is covered in blood, every inch of it, and the dad walks in but he can't see anything. It's only the other kids that can see it. And one of them, the fat kid, he works out that these things have been happening to a ridiculous extent in this town. There's this, there's this malevolent force in the town that no one speaks of. Uh, and they basically end up having um, a battle with this beast. And they realise he comes out every 27 years and, and sort of basically takes as many children and causes as much mayhem, sometimes explosions that kill hundreds of people back in the you know, 1800s and so on. And then he lays dormant for another 27 years. Um, and they end up, in, in the book, they end up basically um, having a final showdown with, with the character and uh, pledging to come back if in 27 years' time this happens again, which of course it does. And the sequel to it is coming out in 2019. I don't know why they didn't make them a little bit closer. And that will focus on the adults. This one focuses solely on the 13-year-olds. In the book, it goes backwards and forwards between old and young all the way through. Um, <clears throat> it's a really good story. It's a really interesting uh, uh, city sort of town-wide story. He was doing the white the horror behind the white picket fence probably before David Lynch was. A lot of uh, King's stories are set in small-town America, often sort of places like Maine and so on, in often idyllic towns that are peeled away to reveal abuse and decay underneath, as well as the horror that he creates in the, in the more supernatural vein. So what's it like as a film? Absolutely fascinating. It is the most film of two halves I've ever seen. The hard stuff, the humans, he gets brilliantly right, absolutely nails it. The horror, he gets almost completely wrong. I saw a review of this film which suggested if you took the horror out, you would have a stronger film. I greatly agree. It's much, it hews much closer to Stand By Me than I thought it would. But then looking back on the, the young kids and the fact that they're, you know, they've got these bullies chasing them around... And they head off on this mission to find it in its lair and, and sort of, um, you know, have this final showdown with it and all. It does remember the whole finding the dead body story in Stand By Me. And even though the characters aren't quite as charismatic as Corey Feldman or River Phoenix, they are really good. The kids are great in it. They, and, and it's notable that he makes a number of uh, dramatic choices, which I think are really good and work. For instance, there's almost no adults in this film. You spend your entire time, really, with the kids. You don't see hardly anything of their parents, um, unless it's um, horrible interactions or, or you know, passive... Well, there's passive abuse as well. One of the kids suffers from multiple illnesses, but they're all made up by his mum, who forces him to take placebos because she wants to look after him and so on. Others, such as uh, the one female character in the whole film that actually sticks out, played by Sophie Lillis, uh, who's Beverly in it, and she has a potentially sexually abusive father in it. Uh, and all of that is handled brilliantly. The way it all comes and coalesces together, it's all done really, really well. The problem is the horror side of it. The horror side of it I didn't think worked. Some bits are chilling and some bits are, uh, earn their place. But too often or not, it falls back on very predictable scenarios. For instance, the clown I didn't find 
I, some people have said that his performance, uh, Bill Skarsgård, was a good performance. I didn't like him. He didn't. He didn't speak like the clown in it. Pennywise has gone down as probably the person that's killed clowns off. He was that terrifying. Um, but this one, I found he he sort of veered towards um, Jack Nicholson's performance of the Joker. He's very zany and very fast and very sort of dynamic. And I always pictured it much more based around creeping dread rather than this sort of very ebullient showman-style character. And I didn't really rate him. And too many scenes that involve the horror have follow exact patterns. So, for instance, if the clown's talking in a nice voice, you know you're going to get the nasty voice. If he's, you know, you know that it's gonna t- his face is going to change. You know that there's some violent element following. You know that something's going to slam, which happens in a lot of the scenes. Something will slam very loudly. And a lot of those are very ordinary horror tropes, and I don't know that they're done that well. Um, and I didn't find Pennywise particularly frightening. And as other people have said, the more it goes on, the less frightening he becomes. And the whole denouement thing, I didn't care too much. I really didn't. I didn't find it... <clears throat> if I said it went uh, a lot closer to Stand By Me, the other thing I was surprised by is that production, budget-wise, it also hewed a lot closer to the TV miniseries they made back in the early 90s. Um, and I was really shocked to find out that a film this prominent only had a budget of $35 million, which is quite something when you compare... This was the best-selling book in, in America in 1986. It's a massive bestseller. One of its most famous works and creations. I bet you they must have spent three times out on the Dark Tower. Why didn't they spend more on this? So those elements are weird because there's a dichotomy. Happily, 90% of the film you're spending with the human side of things. So those bits are really, really strong. Only just shy of how good they were in Stand By Me. Um, and on that basis alone, it's a hugely enjoyable film. Um but on the horror side of things, I didn't think that he got virtually anything right. A lot of the times I was seeing things, I was going, well, I'm not, there's nothing really original about this, and I'm not being sold on it. And maybe due to the budget constraints, everything was much smaller than I remembered. In the book, it itself is the town. It's a gargantuan thing. It lives under this maze of sewers. It has this black heart. It's an eternal being. We learn in the book that this is something that arrived on Earth back with the dinosaurs. We learn that it's a, it's a kind of celestial body that inhabits fear and, and exists beyond the plane of our own existence. It's a, it's a huge entity with timeless reach that's always existed in one form or another. But here I really felt like you know, the whole sewer system they go into is kind of tiny and the clown itself was kind of a bit less threatening and a small there was a smallness to him i didn't really feel like all of the other ways it manifested itself in the book i didn't think that they were covered really it was just this sort of clown popping up every now and again so it is a fascinating film and he's done a wonderful job in many ways but in some ways not another area is it does a lot of 80s pastiche which is always a go-to thing for films. And they start brilliantly with the cult's love removal with Machine, one of my all-time favourite rock songs. 
And after that, they don't really make a decent choice out of any of the soundtracks or any of the other stuff that relates to the 80s. And, and sometimes they do slightly annoying things, like when uh, the chick that plays Beverly cuts her hair off, she looks, she's gorgeous, and she looks exactly like Pretty in Pink here in Molly Ringwald. You know this, but then about an hour later, they say, who invited Molly Ringwald? And I was like, well, you already nailed that. You didn't need to, oh, by the way, if you didn't realise, that's Molly Ringwald. Um, by the way, she's magnificent. I've not heard of her before. Sophie Lillis, who plays Beverly, she is the heart and soul of the film and the equal to all of the male cast put together. I found the lead guy, who was uh, Jason Libera, to be a bit dull. And he occupies the same role as the lead character in Stand By Me, who is the dullest of the four. And also something that, like sort of noble like Elliot in E.T. He just wasn't the most interesting of the group. Um, so Beverly was, she was by far the, the glue that holds the whole thing together. And the, and the other thing is when, when we first meet, Bev, Beverly goes and tries to steal Tambax from us. Uh, she's having her period and obviously she's 13 years old. And she steals it from the store. And goes home and hides them from her dad. Well, the first time we meet her dad, who walks up and sniffs her hair and says, Are you my, still my little girl? Those few seconds are more terrifying than all of the appearances of Pennywise the Clown put together. And those bits are really good. There's another kid, the bully, who's got an appalling father as well. And some of those outside bits are much scarier than the actual supernatural bits. And I didn't think the effects in that were that great. It's well shot, though. It is well shot for, um, for a low-budget film, and some of it is very evocatively shot. And uh, all of the, the kids' cast are, are really good in it. Um, and as a human story, it works brilliantly. As a horror movie, not sure that it does. So I'm going to give it 7.5 out of 10 for the Stephen King adaption, It, which works much better as a human story and not a horror one.